So I've been trying to figure that out from day one of how do I, because we have a lot of employees and we've had a lot of employees come through. We've had a lot quit. I've tried everything from like, quote, throwing money at them and paying them as much as I physically can, but then they end up quitting. Welcome to MeetsPad. In collaboration with the American Meat Science Association, it's a platform dedicated to share breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the global meat industry. On each episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen and learn from meat specialists and professionals about the whole meat industry. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Ultrasource, equipment and supplies for the meat and food industry, ViscoFan Collagen Casings, the best alternative to animal gut casings for a better taste and sustainable sausage making, EFA, slaughter and meat processing tools, Hello, meat folks. Welcome back to the Meats Pad Podcast. It is your humble host, Phil Bass, uh, and and today we're going to visit with a uh, a small processor in Utah, um, Nathan Bingham of Bingham's Custom Meats. Nathan, thanks for joining. Yeah, my pleasure. So we have we had the opportunity to connect um, a few weeks back at the Northwest Meat Processors Association um, that was in Boise, Idaho this last year, um, and and we got to talking about some kind of interesting things. And first off, uh, and I and I want to touch on those. First though, uh, Nathan, tell us a little bit about Bingham Custom Meats and and tell us tell us how that came to be. Yeah, for sure. So um, going over just thinking about how Bingham's became Bingham's really there's, I like to, I like to make changes and make improvements kind of just in my business and my life. So I'm not one to, if it, if it's broke, just let it be broke. Like I'm always trying to fix stuff, which can either be good or bad, but from the, from the beginning, I was introduced into the meat world in 2002. I was hired on at a grocery store. Um, to help with the Olympics, Salt Lake City was hoping ho hosting the Olympics in 2002. I was hired on at 16 as a bagger to help in that grocery store, and one of my duties was cleaning the meat room. So every night after my shift, I was cleaning the meat room, and I became fascinated just with meat in general. The guy that was running the meat department was kind of an older guy that had been in the meat business for a really long time, and it was interesting to me just to see that side of the world. So. Um, I worked, I worked at, at Valley Market was the grocery store that I worked at for a few years. Um, once I graduated high school, I moved to Brazil for a couple of years to serve a mission for my church. And after I got home, I was looking for a job and they had a, an opening in the meat department. And so I thought, well, that sounds good. I'm not really doing anything else. And so started working in the meat department, um, learned how to cut, learned how to wrap, learned all the different cuts of meat and became fascinated with just the, the meat industry in general. And so as I uh, began to learn more about the business side of things and, and the meat side of things, I saw the potential. I love to introduce myself as a butcher. I love all the questions that came just from that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of where I fell in love with the, with the meat industry in general. So I started Bingham's Custom Meats as a mobile game processor in 2009. Um, I, I got home from a mission in 2006, and so from that time forward, um, I started Bingham's Custom Meats, and I would go to people's house and help cut up their deer and elk and, and whatever else ha they had just after work, and that led me to putting together an idea of where I could have a trailer with all my stuff in it, where I could haul it around, 
About that same time, there was a, a place in Morgan, which was just over from Eden where I was working, so the next valley over. And it was a um, custom exempt processor that had gone out of business that was for sale. And so I went there looking for equipment with the desire to, to furnish this trailer that I had kind of envisioned. Um, and we ended up just deciding to buy the establishment. So in 2011, um, I purchased that building and Bingham's Custom Meats went from kind of mobile game processing to retail and custom exempt. We started doing beef and everything else. Um, and so going from there, um, it had totally changed. I never really thought that I'd be a business owner uh, or a butcher, I guess, when I was younger. And so from there, I found that first year, I, I loved the meat industry. I, I was fascinated by all this stuff, but I could not find really any information or community in the meat world. And so I was looking online. I found some textbooks that I had purchased and basically kind of taught myself how to cut beef by reading those textbooks and watching YouTube videos and um, basically kind of going through it that way. And so that that led me up to with 2011, after that first year searching around, I found the Butcher's Guild in 2012 and joined the Butcher's Guild because I was looking for basically any sort of community in the butcher world. And that's what initially introduced me into the, the World Butcher's Challenge and Butchers of America, um, which would be a little bit further in, in 2016 through 2018. Um, and so, with this, with this newfound fraternity of the Butcher's Guild, I, I started finding a little bit more contacts, a little bit more friends, and I had found that the older generation of butchers that weren't as interested in helping and answering questions that had a little bit more guarded secrets, the upcoming generation of butchers, which would be about myself and kind of our age group, they were a lot more interested in sharing information, sharing um, ideas, how-tos, all of that stuff, and... Um, in about two, well, 2018, the, well, I guess it was like 2017, the guild announced that they were going to be um, joining in the World Butchers Challenge. Mm -hmm. So the World Butchers Challenge was a, a, a competition over in, in Europe that the news between New Zealand and Australia and France had joined in and, and there's all this other stuff. So in 2018, it was going to be in Ireland. Um, the guild wanted to put together a team called the Butchers of America that would that would compete in the World Butchers Challenge. So looking at my schedule, still being fairly new with our business and really busy, I wasn't able to be a team member, but I wanted to support in any way I could. So Bingham's was a sponsor to uh, the Butchers of America for the World Butchers Challenge. So my wife and I went over to Ireland and as spectators and watched this event. And then that was another turning point that totally shifted the way that I saw meat production, the way that I saw the butchery industry and all of this. And so as we were there watching the competition and rubbing shoulders with people from all over the world, I began to learn and realize that in other countries, there are apprenticeship programs that are out there. There's formal training that you have to go through before you can even start a butcher shop. And I kind of had the feeling of like, well, man, my first year was really rough. I really wish that there was something available like this in the United States because I felt like I kind of just got dumped in to the business when I started the shop. And so that started changing my perspective of 
um, as, as a butcher and a business owner, I want to create something that is going to be able to help further butchers and, and butchery and, and kind of my shop going forward. Mm -hmm. And so once we got home from that, I started re rethinking the way that I was running my shop and I developed, uh, three, three basic standards of, of what Bingham's is today and what they've come on. So our first standard is to be able to support my family and the family of my employees. Um, the second reason we're in business is to be an asset to the community. And the third is to train up the next generation of butchers. And so at this moment, everything in those three, basically that we did as a business revolved around those. So as we grow as a business, I wanna make sure that those three core principles are, are addressed. Um, if anything compromises any of those, then I would have to really sit down and think if that's what I want to do going forward as a business. Mm -hmm. um, and so out of those being a support to our family employees, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about how in the butchery industry, there's not a lot of, like, there's not a, a good pay scale. People aren't making enough. It's not living wages, all of this. So we've really tried to structure to where our top managers and there's growth potential in our business that they will be able to make a living wage and be able to support their families. And so a lot of the way that we advertise a lot, a lot of the way that we price our products, I've got that in mind. We do a lot of studies to make sure that like our cut tests are right in line and that we advertise in a way that we will be able to bring in business and grow our business in a way that we can support our family and the families of those around us. Um, being an asset to the community, we have local farmers and ranchers that we really try to support and get online with. We have a line of beef that we run at the shop that's from a local farmer. And so we have consistency with there where we're custom exempt and retail. We're in a unique spot to where we can process full carcass and also be able to sell at retail. And so we line up farmers that way. And then being an asset to the community and our involvement with 4-H programs, with the FFA, um, with mentoring and anything butchery, um, we try and do that with a community and also support local other businesses in that way. And then training up next generation of butchers. Um, part of the shop's stance is I, we have managers that we go through training programs. We have a lot of high school kids that work for us. And so we have them in management positions so that they can learn how to, how to delegate and how to also manage and learn. And then we will shift them in to another position where they can continue learning. Um, training butchery is really important to us to be able to have uh, our employees have pride in butchery and pride in our products, but also understanding that butchery is a, is a means to get food and um, necessities onto the table of our customers and the local community. And so there's kind of a lot that goes in into there. So um, do you I, do you have any questions as far as up to that point? <laughs> well, man, that I mean, that is such an, a, a great um, it, succinct yet broad uh, overview of kind of how you've gotten into this business and what you have made of it, because, you know, some folks, some folks stumble into it. Um, you, you somewhat stumbled into it, but embraced it and um, not just embraced it, but looked at it in a way where you can truly um, affect your, your, uh, your community um, locally and then vastly. And then um, my goodness, you've you've gone to the international stage as well to continue learning the art, um, learning more about the business in general. 
um, and bringing notoriety to the business. And um, I've, I've been taking vast quantities of notes here. And so I, I just, I want to, I want to go back and briefly touch on a few of these things and then have you elaborate a little bit. Um, one of my favorite um, uh, interviews uh, recently was with uh, Kevin Trosclair, which, which Nathan, I believe, you know, Kevin up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho um, and talking about paying employees well and training them well and, and investing in them so that they're willing to come back and they're happy to come back every day and be part of a good work culture. And it sounds like you're developing that. And if anybody's never been to their website, to uh, to uh, Nathan's website, to Bingham Custom Meats, and I'll have you talk more about that, check it out because I haven't been to the shop, but I'm excited to come visit sometime. <laughs> I was excited just because of the little videos and blurbs and, and it looks like you just have a, a, a good attitude within your community, within your group um, uh, that, that folks uh, seem to be really learning and it's a bustling shop it looks like. And so very diversified. Um, you mentioned you're custom exempt, so you're still doing some harvest. You also have a retail outlet. Um, I believe you still you also have like a food service side of things as well, right? Like you're you're making sandwiches and and things like that, so folks yep. can come in and dine as well. Um, uh, not being bashful about um, uh, asking for what the value is for the product, which you know at the last couple of meetings that I've been to with small processors is that folks are wringing their hands about. I don't know how we're going to stay in business. I don't know how to make money. And and honestly, we have to we have to just take a bold stance. We have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, listen, what we're doing is honorable. It is definitely something that is needed in the community. And and it's okay to to charge the value of the product. It's okay to do that because it's important for all of this to remain, to be able to continue sustainably in an economic fashion is that we have to be able to price things accordingly so that we can continue to grow in that manner. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Um, I wanna go back to Butchers of America and let's talk a little bit about this because this is something very unique that most folks listening probably have never heard of. Um, and and honestly, I want to learn more about it too, and that's why I wanted to interview you because um, you were talking a little bit about it. I've briefly understood um, a little bit. I was supposed to have gone to the latest competition that was actually in the United States. It was in Sacramento. I didn't get a chance to. I was I was wandering around the country, um, and uh, I didn't get a chance to go there. But let's talk more about Butchers of America, the World Butchers Challenge, um, which which is you know connected but it's not the same thing right, right. um and then um and talk, let's talk about the art that's being shared because i live in the science world and a lot of our listeners are very scientific but we need to be sharing the art of the trade more and that's where i believe the butchers of america really come in yeah absolutely so the world butchers challenge a brief history real quick of kind of what the world butchers challenge is about and you're right that butchers of america and world butchers challenge is not connected the World Butchers Challenge is its own entity that, that runs, and they do a fantastic job. Um, they started out, I've got to look at all my notes because they've been going for a little bit. So in 2011, they had the first World Butchers Challenge, which was kind of a friendly competition that New Zealand and Australia set up against each other. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, from the stories that I've heard and I've seen with the founders, they were kind of sitting around a cup of coffee and one guy was like, I bet my butchers from Australia can beat your butchers from New Zealand. And so <laughs> isn't that how so many competitions begin? <laughs> oh yeah. So over kind like of a handshake and, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had a handshake and uh, I think the bet was like a, a thing of whiskey and then just the the pride of like my six can beat your six or my four or whatever it was. And so in 2011, it was held in New Zealand um, with New Zealand and Australia going head to head and Australia ended up winning. Then 2002, they moved it to Australia and Australia won again. And then in 2013, um, the United Kingdom joined them and then they did the Tri-Nations. And that was also, that was held in New Zealand and then New Zealand won that one. And so now it's starting to grow. It went from kind of a friendly competition, basically in the backyard to now it's starting to grow a little bit more. People are getting involved. In 2014, it was held in Yorkshire, England, and New Zealand won that one. And then in 2015, it was held in New Zealand, and then New Zealand won that one again. And so now it's starting to get some traction. They, they still have those three competitors. In 2016, um, France joined in. It was held in Australia. France joined in. They, that's when they changed the name to the World Butchers Challenge. So before it was just a competition, then the Tri-Nations. And so 2016 is when they changed the name to the World Butchers Challenge, including France. And then France won that one in 2016. So um, then they decided to change it up a little bit. Now they, they made it every two years. So then it went to 2018. And that's when it really started to blow up. So in 2018, they had 12 teams competing. And Ireland was the host country. And that's where the Butchers of America got involved. And so from up until this point, I think it kind of just floated around. There's butcher wars that happens. There's all these other ones that go on in Australia that kind of float around in New Zealand. And so where now is the World Butchers Challenge, Butchers of America saw the opportunity to be able to get on board. And so developed a team, like I said, through the guild. Since 1883, Ultrasource has been a trusted supplier to the food industry. Ultrasource provides superior kill floor, processing, packaging, and labeling equipment and operational supplies. Um, and then they competed in Ireland in 2018, and Ireland ended up winning that one. Then America put in a bid to be able to host, along with other countries, in 2020, actually. And so in 2020, we won the bid to host it in Sacramento. Um, during this time, we had, with COVID starting, there was a whole bunch of stuff that kind of happened during 2020. It got delayed. There was all the stuff going on. In the meantime, Butchers of America separated from the Guild, and the Guild is its own organization. Butchers of America started a 501c3, and so Butchers of America is now the competing team that competes in the World Butchers Challenge. So um, I joined the board in 2021 of Butchers of America. Um, and my, my involvement, I actually, I joined the guild board as the transition was happening. And the guild wasn't really structured to go forward the way that Butchers of America wanted to with the team. And so we joined, or I joined the Butchers of America board, and we formed that board with Danny Johnson, Paul Karras, um, myself, um, and some other members. And we, we basically 
started funding the team. Um, we brought in sponsors and that's been one of the really hard things. So on a world stage, bringing in butchers from all over the world, we are all over the country to be part of Butchers of America. We didn't really, we don't want to be viewed as like, we're the best butchers in America, but we're the ones that basically knew about it, which was a struggle <laughs> because trying to get that information out has been hard. I've had so many people who are like, well, I bet I'm a butcher or a better butcher than you, but I didn't even know this was happening. And I was like, well, yeah, I know. That's why one of my jobs was trying to get the social media out, trying to connect with butchers, let people know that this is even exists. But at the end of the day, we needed six competitors. And so the six we had were the six that we kind of ran with. So um, we tried our best to try and let everybody know about it. I, I was on the team as a backup, but also as the financial um, guy on the board, mm-hmm. lining up sponsorships, um, making sure that, that clearly the I most teased. important team member, obviously, if it... well, I don't know about that. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> so make, making sure that practices would happen, getting people to come out to practice. So it's a huge time commitment. Yeah. That was another thing. We had a lot of people that wanted to try out for the team, but meeting once a month, flying out to Sacramento to practice, um, developing, So one of the things we struggled with also is developing, you've got basically, so there's six guys on the team. You got six chefs in the kitchen with that are totally qualified, hundred percent great ideas. They're used to running their own shops. They've got to come together and produce a product that is unique. Right. And so a lot of the practices and going in, there were really no egos. We didn't have any issue. Like everybody was great as far as teamwork but we had to, as a group, figure out what we wanted to present on the World Butchers Challenge to be able to compete. So we had three hours and 15 minutes to break down a half a beef, a lamb, um, a half a hog, and six chickens. And so we've got the six team members. You have one that's breaking. Um, we have ones that are doing value add. We have ones that are further processing down. And so altogether, the six man team, you can divide it up to where individuals are only doing individual things or there's some that are breaking some that are value adding some that are garnishing and so but like we've got the hog guy that starts but he's got to get trim for the grind guy that can do broths and so all of that has to just like a regular butcher it's, shop yeah right? it's a working shop yeah, yeah, yeah. all of it has <laughs> to feng shui in a way that we can get our products done in the right amount of time yeah we're also judged on sanitary communication all of that kind of stuff and wow. so um, team presentation, like our, our uniforms had to be clean. They had to match. So there's a lot going on that we were involved with, like other than just figuring out the products that we wanted to present. Mm-hmm. And so finding guys that were, that had the right amount of time, um, at the end of the day, I, I was an alternate to begin with. We did have a couple guys on the team that weren't able to compete that we were able to bring other guys in and I stayed as an alternate all the way through. So I was never on the competing floor, but I ended up being as a manager and an alternate in case on that, that last day, somebody got sick. Right. Yeah. So in 2020 is when it was supposed to compete because of delays, we ended up competing in 2022 in Sacramento and that's kind of when everything went down. And so um, along those lines with, with all the, str- the struggles that we had and the opportunities with COVID of trying to figure out if it was going to happen, mm-hmm. everybody got so busy at their shops. And even in Bingham's in 2022 to now, our dynamic completely changed. 
we almost overnight, just like everybody else got so busy and our production went from, from like where it was to 10 times the amount of process going through. We had so many animals coming in. Our kill schedule even now is a year and a half out. And so organizing all of that, plus trying to figure out what we're going to do with the team was, was a juggle. And so mm-hmm. going forward, we have a lot of stuff that we're developing, um, focusing on, so everybody can break a half a beef, right? Like in everybody's shops, they break down beef, mm-hmm. but the way to be able to break it down and make it efficient so that everybody can use it in a certain way, we have to be able as a team to adapt breaking it a certain way so that it can be used for certain products, mm-hmm. which was really great. So as a six man team, one of our breakers, Daniel Sepurik, he had to break down a beef that was going to be used to be made into a product that was an idea of someone completely different. So then he had to figure out how to break it down that way and be efficient at it so that it could be used for a product that was made up by somebody that isn't breaking the beef that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, yeah. Yeah. So all of this communication, what it did for butchery is it opened all these doors and all these ideas and all these windows of there are so many different ways that you can create products that you can innovate and that you can be able to help educate the consumer. One of our value add guys on the team is, is Mitchell and he has a chef background mm-hmm. and he at practice, he'd be talking about all the chef stuff. And I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's talking about all these things that would go in. So because of that, now I've started learning how to cook a little bit better, developing recipes, how to convey that, which makes you a good rounded butcher to be mm-hmm. able to sell the product and educate your customers on it. Absolutely. One thing the World Butchers Challenge and Butchers of America has done for me personally in our shop is how to figure out how to open up and innovate all of these, um, all of these opportunities that we have to be able to like further products, generate new ideas, which goes back to where you said, learning the value of what your product is and mm-hmm. not undervaluing yourself as a butcher is huge because mm-hmm. you have to stay in business and it's not, you're not going to take advantage of your customers, hopefully, yeah. but you have to realize at the end of the day, the price of the beef that was raised by a farmer, the price that you're paying your, your employees to cut it up is worth something. Mm-hmm. And so knowing what that value is and rolling over the customer and having the consistency and quality is, is huge. Yeah. Well, and that's something that we, we mentioned here all the time on Meatspad is that consistency and quality if you have those two going hand in hand oh my gosh you're i mean it's an unstoppable business and we've we have seen this greatly in the beef industry with the movement of of additional marbling over the years um i i think i think we're seeing it in the other species as well um but the value continues to improve for the product because i believe we're meeting that demand of the consumers with the consistency and quality and if if folks know what to expect and expect that that high uh, that that high level of service and that high level of quality of the product. Um, it's a really good business model, and so it sounds like you're following along those. It sounds like the World Butchers Challenge is that is the uh, the conduit to bring together the butchers of America to um, uh, allow for a lot more of that just sharing of knowledge, which is so cool. Um, and um, you know. Uh, yes, I can break down a side of beef. I'm sure there are, there are 
thousands of people out there who can cut it way better than I, I, I can. And I love learning from them. And this is that opportunity, right? Um, uh, it seems like it's also, it, it's kind of a spectator sport as well, right? Oh, like yeah. Folks can come and watch and, and uh, hopefully are also learning along those lines. And so, I mean, I, I was writing down the notes, you know, what are the judging criteria? You've already mentioned that. Um, uh, and and uh, um, I guess more so, how can folks get involved in Butchers of America? Yeah, so so for any more information about World Butchers Challenge, go to their website, worldbutcherschallenge.com, and you can see the history, you can see uh, the teams that are participating, all of that kind of stuff. Um, for how people can get involved with Butchers of America is going forward, so they are actually going to announce the next competition and the date tomorrow, so that'll be so the 16th. So 16th of May, they're going to, okay. yeah, 16th of May, they're going to announce when and where the next competition is going to be held. Okay. And so right now we are ramping up to be able to get our team ready. Um, and we will be announcing, I guess I can talk about it here. And then as well as on our Instagram and Facebook, we will be our Instagram for Butchers of America. We will be posting and announcing that we are going to be building our, our next team and also furthering butchery in America by doing the, um, the American Butcher Challenge that we will do hosted by Butchers of America. So we're putting this together. It's going to be a competition this September in Sacramento as part of the uh, uh, Fork to or Field to Fork Festival that they do in Sacramento or Farm to Fork, sorry, Farm to Fork Festival in Sacramento. So that'll be toward the end of September in Sacramento. Okay. So we will have some more information on that that we will post on our website butchersofamerica.org as well as our Instagram um, at Butchers of America. So what people can do to get involved, reach out to us through our website, um, reach out to us through our Instagram, um, keep sharing videos that we post or keep posting videos. Like you said, one of the great things about this um, platform with social media has been able to expose and help butchery advance at an accelerated rate over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So there's a few groups on Instagram, especially that focus on like the, the big butcher family and connecting people with, with ideas and insights. And yeah, everybody can break beef. Occasionally I'll get comments of like, Oh, I could do that better. And my response is, I bet you probably can. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. I'm just doing what seems to be most efficient. <laughs> and I'm trying to learn from everybody else. Yeah. Well, and, and it's it's gonna, it's always going to be um, uh, unique to the individual business, too. You oh, know? right. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that it makes a lot of sense to to hunk and chunk like we did in the 50s and and um, avoid all the value-added cuts. Um, and then there's there's a lot where, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to take the extra time and do individual muscle fabrication and, and, and cut it down to the more unique pieces that are highly desirable in a single muscle format. And so it just kind of depends on uh, on the business in that in that regard. So um, I, I want to so we, we should probably land this plane shortly, but I want to ask you one more question that I think you have good insight on and. Um, uh, and it, it has a lot to do with the training that you're doing, because I don't care which meat processor I talk to. There's always the question of labor and how do we get more people involved and how do we get folks to uh, to stick around? Um, and I believe the personally, I believe the interest is there. We just got to go out there and, and go fishing 
and we need to go catch those folks and bring them into the fold, into the, the community of butchers, like you say. What is the interest, in your opinion, uh, with the younger folks in the butchery trade? How do we get them involved? Because it's kind of a catch-22. How do we get them involved? How do we keep them there? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. That's the golden question, right? So I've been trying to figure that out from day one of how do I because we have a lot of employees and we've had a lot of employees come through. We've had a lot quit. I've tried everything from like quote, throwing money at them and paying them as much as I physically can, but then they end up quitting or giving them so many opportunities. They end up maybe getting overwhelmed and quitting. I don't know. So my goal now is what I try to do is make sure that the, the employees feel their value. And so with our, we do a monthly uh, manager managers council train or managers council that we do, or I bring all my count, my managers in, we talk together. This is where the business is. This is where it can go. These are opportunities. These are sales that are coming up, all that kind of stuff. So I have my main managers that are involved with that council meeting. So it's not just coming from the business owner. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do. At the end of the day, it's, it's my and my wife's decision of how we run our business but I want to make sure that my employees know that they're valued and that their opinions have value. Yeah. During that manager council, we also do trainings um, because information and training is the key. So I had mentioned to you earlier where we use the meets pad podcast for training during those. Yeah. So we actually, we reviewed um, in our last training, we, we listened to the, the one uh, I can't remember who you interviewed. You talked about the top sirloin. And oh yeah, Sierra, Sierra Jepson. Yes. Yep. So fantastic interview. She would be happy to know that we actually are going to start merchandising that muscle. We we called it the top sirloin tender. It's the gluteus accessorius muscle. Oh yeah, the accessorius. So, <laughs> so my, sounds like a dinosaur. One of my office manager said we should call it the lumberjack steak because it has axe in the name. So there you go. I love it. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that, we've we've like tried other things we there's other podcasts that we'll bring in and listen to as far as all that so i really appreciate what you guys are doing with meat pad because it helps me as a business owner and a butcher be able to to educate my staff and so my whole goal with all of this is try to get them to hopefully recognize and know that they want to be in this industry and so that way they'll start being more invested in it we also do with our younger staff i'll bring it we do parties where we have them um, come to our house and we play Mario party and whatever else, because it, it helps them connect not at work on a different level. And so we can build up that team camaraderie. Um, we also have built in, in our, in our management of different tiers that they can be involved with. If you pass off certain things, you can get bump in pay. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that we have that's available for them. We do with our retail, we, with our managers, we have, um sales what's that called so we we do a percentage of our sales that we did for the quarter and we give it back to our managers as a bonus oh, so okay. that way kind of like a commission almost then kind of yeah, yeah. so it incentivize them to to keep trying to cross sell to keep producing to stay caught up with products um we launched a vending machine that we've got in locations that we sell our bombs out of so we're now the bomb vending machine guys we sell stuff online. We ship stuff. You might you might want to explain what a bomb. Oh yeah. So thank you. So <laughs> our, we developed a product. We call it the bacon bomb. 
Um, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a roast that's bacon wrapped with different stuff in them. We've got nine or 10 different items. So you can go on our website, binghamscustommeats.com and see a lot of those items. But that's that's been an item that is really popular. The whole background behind that is I wanted to create a product that our customers just needed to open out of a bag, put it in the oven, follow the instructions, and they'd have like a gourmet meal. And that has been a really good product for us to be able to push and sell. So well, that is that is so cool. I, I I had to stop you there because I have some flights coming up and I need I didn't want to get on a list or anything. Um, so <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Well, and and honestly, Nathan, I mean, the ideas that you you have, I think it's 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 going to warrant yet another uh, interview in the future. So keep them coming. <laughs> um, I want to I want to just solidify what you said um, in a one in one in one phrase, and that's get employee buy-in. You got to get them involved in the business. They're not just robots. These are human beings that. As we continue to go, we're realizing people, people, if they feel valued, then that's worth way more than money. And 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 money helps, but um, it's not the end. And and if you if you make your employees and you make make them feel as part like partners in the business, and um and and have their have their buy in, man, you can get a lot done that way. And so. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I think it will warrant another visit in the future. Um, Nathan, I think we better wrap this one up for the time being, but I really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate all you've shared about the Butchers of America, the World Butchers Challenge, about the business and folks go check out Bingham Custom Meats. Uh, what's the website? So binghamscustommeats.com. And that's and Bingham's with an S. Yep. Bingham's with an S. Okay. All right. Yep. Check Instagram, that out. Custom Meats, and then our Facebook as well. So, and YouTube channel. We have, as part of that training, we we put on our YouTube channel the training videos that we make for our employees. So, that is so awesome. You so not only are you are you creating product, you're creating content, um, which is <laughs> that's the full thing right there, guys. So, wow, awesome, awesome business model. Um, and I think any processor listening to this, large or small um should be able to take something out of this conversation and nathan i really appreciate your time with us today yeah absolutely my pleasure phil thank you